Hey, audio listeners, this is PJ Williams from Conspiracy Pilled here. And as we talk about different conspiracies, things like Project Bluebeam and aliens and uh, Nephilim and all kinds of other things we've touched on CERN, uh, things in the book of Revelation come up pretty often. And we've gotten a lot of requests to talk more, dive more into Revelation, to try to understand the most confusing book of the Bible. So me and Abby decided that we're going to do something new. And once in a while, we're going to stream these bonus episodes where we talk about what well, essentially we just read through Revelation and talk about it and try to understand it better. So this one's a little bit different. Um, obviously, this is made for live audiences, just like all of our shows. So if you're listening to this and you like it, and you want to participate next time. Don't forget to come over to follow us on YouTube, on Rumble, on Odyssey. And don't forget to check out the Telegram t.me slash media so you can see the updates of when we're going to be going live, when, when we're going to be doing these things. We'll have guests on in the future. Uh, but if you're looking for a read through and a discussion, really open ended discussion, not a sermon about revelation, then I hope you enjoy this. So onto the show. The minute that you get labeled a conspiracy theorist, pretty much everything that you have to say ceases to be taken seriously. The red pill is just about kind of shaking up your perception of the way that things really And on the understanding that what you've been told your entire life is a consciously constructed lie. You take the blue pill. The story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. The idea of Project Bluebeam is that NASA, with the help of the United Nations, was attempting to implement a new age religion with the Antichrist at its head and start a new world order via technology simulating the second coming of Christ. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. Hawkeye Media presents Conspiracy Pill with PJ and Abby. And that's the thing about conspiracy theories is like it's sometimes they're not going to be true. And it's okay. There's literally nothing wrong with asking the questions and pulling on the threads and doing the research. Right. It is what it is. Welcome, welcome to a special episode of Conspiracy Pilled. We have been dying to start getting through Revelation, just reading it aloud together, talking about it. Um, excited to see opinions already popping up in the chat about things. How are you doing, PJ? I am good. I'm actually surprised how many people are watching at this kind of lately announced stream uh, <laughs> and all the comments rolling in. Um, yeah, I'm excited to do this. And I want to say this. We want to do an opening prayer and, and, and give some thoughts before we get started into the reading. But um I just want to say this too, you know, I'm seeing opinions and stuff in, in chat. And one of the things that we're hoping to do with this, because um, I don't want this to be mistaken for a lecture or a lesson or a Bible study, um, I don't know, Bible study, maybe still, because we're studying the Bible, but not like a, a it's not a sermon is my point. Um, and I think the reason is that we want to read this book in its entirety, talk with other really interesting people along the way and try to understand it more. Um, I think that's, I think that's the a fair way to to look at this. So, um, you know, before people get all like, "Oh, how do you think this or that?" Well, that's the thing. I think we're trying to figure it out. So it's it's an important book, and it's one that we've been asked to talk about and to read. And uh, yeah, I think we're going to do that instead of just doing what some people do and doing a podcast where we'll pick out like this verse and that verse that supports my theory. Uh, we just want to read through it and pray with you guys and talk with you guys and and uh, get some opinions. So 
Yeah, I think the only mistake you can make re- with Revelation is to be absolutely certain that you understand what it means. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, everybody is, so <laughs> except for me. I'm like that guy that's okay with not being 100% certain on some things, and I know some people are uncomfortable with that, but I think I think for us, it, I think it works. I think it's a good thing, so... Um, yeah. I'm excited to, com- to compare notes with people who have completely different opinions. And because one of the, my problems has been that we read the left behind the kids series growing up and it completely defined the way that I read revelation, right. the way that I read any books of prophecy. And what I want to do is just completely step back from that and be um, not op- so open-minded that my brains fall out, but you know, open, open enough to consider all the ways that you can read this and, and what the truth might be about it. So, right. So before we, cause I want to ask, I actually want to go dive further into what you were just saying, but I just want to start with a prayer really quick. Yes. So, um, dear Lord, thank you so much for bringing us here tonight. Thank you for all of the wonderful people who have supported, uh, Abby and me. Thank you for the wonderful team that we have at Hawkhound. Thank you for Katie and Jess. Um, just thank you so much for, uh, allowing us to be here. Uh, I know we've had issues, tech issues, all kinds of issues lately. So just being able to be here and do this and share this with people uh, means a lot, Lord. I pray that you guide and direct our our thoughts and our actions and that you um, speak to us, Lord, and you, you use us to shine your light uh, on this world and to lead other people closer to you and that we come closer to you in the process. And all this I ask in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Yes, please. And amen. Okay, so yeah, so you're right though. The whole left behind thing was your when would it, when did you first hear of and or read Left Behind? We started. I'm trying to remember when we read the first one because we were in and out of Africa from between when I was seven and when I was nine, and I know that we started it before the second evacuation because we left some of our books, literally left some of our Left Behind books behind and had to buy them again. So somewhere in, I, I'm going to say age eight probably is when we started. Okay. That's funny. Cause that's about when I started to, I was on the road from Michigan to California when we moved out to California and I had to have been eight or nine when we moved out there. Maybe. Yeah. I couldn't have been older. No, I might've been 10. So around that time, but we're two years apart. So it's like probably the same year. So I was probably 10 if you were eight. So yeah. So, um, no, we're more than two years apart. I think I'm five years older than you. I don't know. What year matter. were you born? Ninety-one. I'm so oh, bad. Oh, ninety-five. Yeah, okay. I'm ninety-five. So you're four okay. years. Okay. So <laughs> anyway, we listen to the audiobooks. Old. We listen. Yeah, I am. I'm getting old. I'm turning thirty-two this week. So, <laughs> and you know, for people who are going to tell me that's not old, I'm turning thirty-two as a truck driver. So that's like sixty. <laughs> If anybody's ever worked that job, you know what I mean. So, uh, yeah, we were listening. This was my first audiobook, and now I listen to audiobooks professionally. That's what I do for a living. <laughs> so that's what I call my job. I drive down the road and listen to audiobooks. So, um, and I think it was just one of those things where it was like pre trib rapture was just uh, taken for granted. That's the way it was. Uh, this, you know, I feel like those books and movies were looked at as more more seriously than I think they were even intended to. I think they were always meant kind of as fiction and as a fictional way to do it. And you have to make the story for in fiction work a certain way, which they took a lot of liberties. So I I was listening to an interview. I don't, yeah, I don't think they were trying to be prophetic or whatever. I don't think they were trying to say, this is the only way to read it. They were Mm -hmm. like, this is a way to read it. Cause even Jerry B. Jenkins, one of the co-authors of the kids series wrote other like 
Revelation type series is that had different details, like had an even different interpretation. So I think that they were just going with what they thought at the time. Yeah. Um, also, I want I saw a comment earlier that I I wanted to get to really quick. Cam asked if he can join us uh, when we get to episode or to chapter five. That is something we want to do is we want to have guests on and hear your interpretation. So. Uh, Reach out to me, Cam, and we'll, we'll talk about it. So, yeah, I don't know how far we're going to get tonight, but even if we like read through five tonight, if we get that far, we can always we can go still, back and ask your exactly. opinions on stuff for sure. Yeah, exactly. So, <clears throat> and I see Rob's in chat over on Rumble. So, thank you guys for our Rumble. So, if you guys are watching on YouTube, we're on Rumble and Odyssey as well. Uh, and Rob is another person we would love to have on to talk about this. So, uh, I think this will be a thing we'll be doing for a while. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Before we start, outside of that, like, has has your I, mean, I know it has, but I guess in what ways has your opinions on Revelation changed? What things are you questioning the most? What things are you hoping to learn or get to a better understanding of? I think the the thing that has really changed is I I used to be pre trip because of the Left Behind books, and the only thing I'm fairly certain about is that that's not true anymore. But I don't know. I've not. <clears throat> subbed out a different belief for that one. I just don't think that's real anymore. I don't even know what tribulation means at this point. And I'm definitely questioning how <clears throat> much of what we thought was in the future has already happened in the past. Like, I think it's kind of one thing I've started to think is that it's a little bit crazy to think that world war two wouldn't have been prophesied in some way. Like there's just things that have been so massive in our history between Christ and now world war two might've been prophesied by, if you take a certain interpretation of revelation. Okay. Um, well, well, cause we talked about this on the um, Nephilim episode where Rob Skiba's right. idea of like the seven heads of the beast, like Hitler was that seventh head or I'm not saying that that's my belief. I'm just saying that that is one interpretation people take is that he was the final antichrist before the beast, the antichrist was going to rise. Anyway, that's one interpretation. Yeah. One thing that people have said about the Bible, too, and about prophecy is that sometimes there's two fulfillments of the <clears> same <throat> prophecy. There's like the right. foothills and the mountains kind of a thing. And so maybe we we could see how it fills history, but it will also fill the future. I'm not, I'm not certain. And I don't want to be certain. At no point in this do I want to pretend like we have the answers or we're going to try to be arriving at them definitively. Right. I'm going to say as well, I don't think it's pre-trib anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I just like I was I was listening to uh, the one part of this that I've been listening to all week was uh, some podcasts of like this person was pre-trib. This person was mid. This person was post and arguments between them. And I just I got to the point where the most convincing argument to me so far. And again, we're that's why we're doing this is we want to, you know, get a better understanding of this is that. <clears throat> It always talks the anytime that it talks about something like a rapture or anything like that, it seems to have a pattern that that holds true through most of Revelations. I think they said mm. there's like 32 passages that go about this, and you pretty much always see that the Antichrist is revealed first. Then there's the raising of the dead. Then there's the coming of Christ and the raising of saints. Mm. Uh, and again, this is me just talking off of stuff I've heard. This is why we're going into it. I'm not saying like. I know the answers, but um, I just, I, it's hard, it's harder and harder for me to believe in pre-trib. Maybe my, maybe my mind will change. Um, are we comparing, are we planning on comparing the Olivet Discourse, the end times to Revelation? I think I definitely want to focus on Revelation first and then pull in any and all scripture that we think of. 
I just want to be one of the th- ways I think that God leads us is just dropping things into our mind to pursue. So I'm making a note of that. I I know that there are other um, the parable of the ten virgins. Uh, there, there's a bunch of things that Jesus said about end times that I want to look at. I want to look at Daniel. I want to look at everything that has ever been thought to be about this. Um, again, to to Cam over here at the Mad Ones. If you guys aren't watching the Mad Ones, go check it out. Uh, Cam Absolutely. does a lot of good work over there. Uh, yes. Again, message me after the show because I'll forget everything that, <laughs> like, not that I'll forget what you guys said, but I'll forget like names. So, like Brian Gadawa, I will forget that. So, uh, message me on you. You you message me on Twitter. So, um, but I would love to read anything that I can. So, um, outside of that, I see uh, this is maybe this will pr- maybe make Cam a little upset. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure I believe in the Nero interpretation either. I've I've got some questions about that one, which is basically that, that Revelation was political fiction and that it was meant about its time. It was a kind of a coded way to oh, talk about Nero okay. and things that were going on. So I don't know if that's what Cam was saying earlier, but I, I don't know if I believe that. And I'll tell you why uh, this was and this might just be my entire bias here. Um, I feel like so far the people that I've looked at that are saying this and I'm not saying all of them have been really <laughs> They've been uh, wrong about a lot of other things for one. Um, and the other thing too, like I guess the biggest reason I don't believe this is because when I look at Revelation, I could be wrong on this. And I know some people definitely think I'm wrong. I see this the same way that the Old Testament predicted the coming of Christ. And this is talking about the second coming of Christ. So like right. I'm, I feel like when I'm reading Revelation, I'm reading the Christian church's Isaiah, where which would have been to the to the Jew to the Jews back back then. So yeah. I don't see Isaiah as just, and and that's how I think um, Jews who don't believe in Christ will look at Isaiah and they'll say, "Oh, well, this was not actually prophetic; it was about the times and you know everything." But yet, then as Christians, we look it back to Isaiah and and uh, well, mostly that one, I guess, um, and right. say, "Actually, look at all these things that were predicting the coming of Christ." So, to me, I feel like this is kind of that same debate that was going on. I feel like because we're in the second period between you know, the creation and the coming of Christ and then uh, the resurrection of Christ to the second coming of Christ. That's just how I'm looking at it right now. But uh, I think we should just get into it and start reading it and start and we can take pauses and talk about things. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how far we'll get tonight, um, but yeah. I, I don't want to just point. keep talking about my yeah. ideas without reading it. <laughs> we definitely need to get right into it. I yeah. This is a good point by Cody. I, I feel like to understand Revelation, you need to look at other pseudo-canon like Enoch. We have noticed that Enoch has suddenly come into the public imagination when it was completely ignored for a long time. And I don't think that that's a mistake as we are seeming and feeling to approach the end times. So um, we read that recently and I... Right. This will be my first time reading Revelation after reading Enoch, so I, I think that that'll be interesting. So let's get into it. I have my, um, for uh, transparency, this is the ES- ESV. This is what I like to use, and that's what we're using, but um, we're yeah. not trying and to say that there's And then I've also got, like, I have my college NIV Bible um, there we go. that I like, so... I know some people will be whatever about interpretations, but I just like this one a lot because it has a ton of con. I don't know if you guys can see this, but there's like all these notes and context and different ways that you can interpret things and different meanings for the words in Greek and things like that. So I just feel like this is the one that's given me a lot of context to understanding uh, things. So um, 
Very Lit cool. has the same one. Yeah, it's the one that when I went to, to college, that was the one that we uh, were told that we had to buy for, for curriculum. So I've had it ever since then. I, I love it. So All right, um, let's get let's I'll get pull this up it. on screen while you start reading. Okie dokie. The Revelation to John, chapter one, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. This is the only book of the Bible that does that, that says, like, blessed are you for reading it out loud and for listening. And that's one of the big reasons I wanted to do this on the podcast. Yeah, I feel like that's important too because it doesn't say blessed is the person who cracks the Da Vinci code of the of Revelation and understands every single part of it. Blessed are you who read it and keep what is written in it. And and for that second part of it, I feel like that's pretty clearly what we're about to get into talking about the seven churches and the different ways that uh, churches should and should not function. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some definitely like application like you know application of that right in the beginning that's not just prophetic uh but also um yeah so reading it keeping what's what's written in it and um, i think that that it's like more than any other book this is a book that god is encouraging us um share your do this with other people like you're going to you're going to need other people's viewpoints on this to even make any sense of it i i think that that's also there so Verse four, John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom priest to his God and father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Yeah, I like that repetition, who is and was and is to come, because I feel like that's what this is about, right? Like, who has been the word from the beginning of time as we're told in John, uh, which, which reflects Genesis, uh, who was, you know, in the time that shortly before this was written and who is to come, which is what this is talking about. Mm -hmm. This is a good point by Dave. And I'm going to really lean heavily on pulling your comments. in. also, I think the blessed are those who keep really implies uh, understanding it objectively. You can't keep it. If you don't understand it, that is a concern of mine. Like how do we, how do we keep it? How do we keep it if we don't get it? Um, and and one thing that I, I think God has kept telling me is you will get it when you need to. Like when it is time, it will make sense. This is the point of prophecy, it seems, is not that you know what's coming for your own comfort, but so that when it comes, you know what's going on. You can see things happening and go, oh, that's that was there. Right. <laughs> we knew that was coming. I got another comment from Camo here that I like too. He says, one of my projects is to read the Bible aloud for people since that's how all scripture was presented up to a certain point. Reading aloud 
is listening to it is and listening to it is super important in my opinion. Yes, I yes. I've said this for a long time, and I remember I don't know who I was talking. Oh, I was talking to an an, an author um, a few months ago, Rachel Brown, and she, yeah, I told her you know some people like to tease me that I don't really read books; I listen to them because uh, I drive for a living. And she's like, "No, like why is that a bad thing? That's how all books were. That's how for you know that's how the Bible was presented to people. That's how the Odyssey uh, was presented to people." Like it's just this modern thing where like reading it is somehow better than listening. And I, I personally learn better from listening. So I also mm -hmm. hope that this helps people in that way. I, I don't know, like hearing things out loud. If I stare at a book, I'll read three pages and then go, what did I just read? And I'll flip back. But if I'm listening, I feel like I, I gather a little better. So I love this too. Cam, uh, God being omnitemporal, being outside of time is a point that most miss. Christianity and the mm -hmm. kingdom are already but not yet. And that concept of the yeah. already and not yet, I think is just all over Christianity where, you know, even with our salvation, we're already justified. We're already um, sinless in God's sight, but we're also, you know, not yet, <laughs> obviously not yet sinless, um, but also that he's already conquered. He's already won, but also not yet. I also think the idea of omnitemporal, if people truly understood and believed that, it would solve so many uh, debates and issues uh, that, that some people have with God. It, there's, I don't think there's any way to understand God of out, except for being outside of time as we perceive it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. This is another good point by Jess. People didn't expect Jesus even when he finally arrived. We're so bad at understanding prophecy as humans. And I think the big problem with why people didn't recognize Jesus is they had all of these preconceived ideas about mm. what the Messiah was going to be and what he was going to do. And that's a big reason why I'm wanting to step back from any preconceived ideas we have and just read it and see if something new presents itself. I also heard um, today someone say that <clears throat> Jesus will literally come on a white horse and like they were like it was like their sticking point for revelation and i was like mm. is that not like what happened before <clears throat> or they're like well jesus is going to come the way that i believe he will come and it couldn't possibly be prophetic or it couldn't uh, it, sorry i right. say prophetic a lot but you know what i mean it couldn't be uh metaphorical metaphorical thank you it has to be very literally this way and i will reject him if he doesn't actually come in on a white horse covered in blood mm -hmm. and things like that let's talk about in revelation so yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of a lot of times people want to take apocrypha very, very literally, and it's a very poetic and dreamlike language uh, you know, or type of book. So it's interesting too because we're in such an age of symbolism, where we have all this satanic yeah. symbolism, and I think that what we're seeing in Revelation is a lot of the opposite of that, <laughs> a lot of Christian symbolism, and yeah. trying to sort that out. Um, Symbolism yeah. was something I used to ignore. I used to think yeah. that it was, you know, oh, they're not going to really put their symbols on everything and give themselves away. And I'm like, oh, yeah, in a religious aspect, symbolism is important. And what you have to understand about the other side, uh, you know, talking about like Hollywood or whoever, uh, you can call them the Illuminati, which I, I use as a catch all. So I know people get all st a sticking point on that. But like they are religious people. They're religious um, in the, the, you know, they're Luciferian. So uh, because they're religious people, their symbols mean a lot to them. That's why mm -hmm. you'll see the owls and the eyes and the right. whatever on things. So I think that that's, this is very interesting part of revelation that there is so much symbolism and so much imagery um, because there's going to be that on both sides of, of this great war. Yeah. The chat is, is highlighting this verse. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Um, I do think that's important. I don't know what that means. But I definitely think it's important. 
Right. We have a lot of weird stuff going on with the weather with with weird sky anomalies, weird UFO things, weird weather manipulation. It's interesting that this is the time period we're reading this in. Yeah. I'll try not to go off on Project Bluebeam. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> okay. Verse 9. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches." I love this <laughs> and it makes you it makes you kind of go why can't we have this at the end of every chapter <laughs> you know like this is what it this is literally what it symbolizes this is yeah. what it means seven golden lampstands seven stars so <sighs> my question here well I have a couple so obviously this is Jesus right yeah so like in most bibles this is written in red as Jesus I heard someone today making the argument that this first one is not Jesus and it should not be in red, but I don't, I, I don't know that whole argument, so I'm not going to go into it, but like um, that is, that is the main belief that this is Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I also wouldn't take what I just said with a, I thought that guy was wrong on a million other things, so I'm not <laughs> sure he's right on this either. Um, I mean, it, it specifically says I died and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death in Hades, which right. which in the... Which I don't know how that's not Jesus. Like, that, it has right. to be. Yeah. Because the story is that, like, when he, when he died, he went down to Hades, which at the time was um, in, in a previous parable that he had told, sounds like the, the hell, the people were supposed to be in hell, supposed to be tormented, were on one side, divided by a chasm from the people who were in Abraham's bosom, which was the like the closest thing they had to heaven in that situation, right? But everyone, even the good people, were bound in Hades, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So some were in torment and some were not, but they were all stuck down there. And um, I think me and Cam were talking about this recently, where you know there was someone I don't remember who it was, but they said. that they didn't can't believe that Protestants didn't believe this. And I was like, we I've always been taught that, you know, Jesus descended into hell with the keys and, you know, like this whole thing. 
And I was trying to understand where that like misconception comes from, or maybe there are churches that don't believe or teach that, but I always was. Um, I see something in chat really quick uh, that I wanted to address. So someone asked who the author is. Um, you know, jo- John of Patmos is is the author, but like I know there's been some different things on that. So if you, if you don't mind, can I just read what I have in in uh, absolutely? So one of the other things I love about this is it's got this whole you know who's the author, what's the date, what are the you know things like that, and it'll talk about. You know, there's certain books of the Bible where there's people who would disagree on the authorship and stuff like that. So I would just like to read what I have here about about the author of this. So <clears throat> it says, for times the author identifies himself as John from as early as or from as early as Justin Martyr in the second century AD, it has been held that this John was the apostle, the son of Zebedee. The book itself reveals the author was a Jew, well versed in scripture, a church leader who was well known for the seven churches of Asia Minor, and a deeply religious person, fully convinced that Christian faith would soon triumph over the demonic forces at work in the world. In the third century, however, an African bishop named Dionysus uh, compared the language, style, and thought of the apocalypse revelation with that of the other writings of John and or compared them, sorry, compared revelation with the other writings of John and decided that the book could not have been written by the apostle John. He suggests that the author was a certain John, the presbyter or elder whose name appears elsewhere in ancient writings. Although many today follow Dionysus in his view of authorship, the external evidence seems to support the traditional view. I, I believe the traditional view from the research that I've done, but I don't know if you have a thought on this. You know, John the Apostle, John that the that Jesus loved, or John the Presbyter, like some church elder. I always thought it was the one that Jesus loved. But, right. Um, <clears throat> I I it think seems it, like the most straightforward reading, but yeah, I think so. And I, again, like I feel like that's where the the evidence leads us to. Um, Cam says, I believe the traditional view as well. Either way, uh it is the words of Jesus. Yeah, I right. agree with that. Those are the words of Jesus. I was just pointing out for, you know, argument's sake that some people try to say it's not, but I, I don't right. see how you get to that interpretation. He didn't make a lot of sense to me. So um, I want to get, oops, I want to oh, get sorry. back to this real quick. Um, so this ties into my obsessive conspiracy wall with the, with the gods and goddesses, which are the demons. Yeah. Um, Sheol, the good side was Abraham's bosom. So, so Sheol was where people like David talked about, you know, my soul is being dragged down to Sheol. It wasn't necessarily right. a place that they were excited to go to the way that we're excited to go to heaven. Um, and then the place of torment on the other side. But it seems that Hades or who I consider to be Lucifer was presiding over that. And I think that the way that the Bible talks about Lucifer very much implies that he and Hades are the same person. Um, and when this verse says, um, I'm alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades traditionally in Greek, the Greek understanding, which is what he would have been talking into the person who held the keys was Hecate, this God of, um, goddess of, um, like liminal spaces, um, passageways, um, the space between the living and the dead that that basically the goddess of the place that Jesus was descending through from the time of his death to when he got down there, took the keys, set the captives free and let them all out, which is what the Bible describes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> let me see. I, there was, there's a whole, there's this whole thing about Sheol and I've talked about this a little bit over the last year that I just, I really want to learn more about 
this mm-hmm. this concept. I've heard one pastor say that this is where the idea of purgatory comes from, that it's that he was a Presbyterian and his idea was, I don't believe in purgatory as was set up in the middle age Catholic church, but I do think that there's this idea of Sheol that's in both the old and the new Testament that might be, right. where the, you know, there might be some kind of truth to it. Um, I know a lot of people believe that uh, I, I, again, when I say these things, I'm not tr- like, again, I'm not trying to be a, a pastor here and tell you like, this is, this is correct or not. We're, we actually are asking the questions. I'm so glad we got people like Cam here. I know is yes. doing a very deep study of the Bible that we want to have on as guests because what we're trying to do is read and ask questions and talk about things. Um, so take whatever I say with a grain of salt. But I feel like I, it's it seems to me that in the old understanding of things, we've got my problem is we've got like 2000 years of fiction and tradition that have shaped our view of the afterlife. So for one, this idea that when you die, you become angels. A lot of Christians just take that for granted because they've seen it in Hollywood movies. They don't realize that that's a Gnostic belief, that it is not a Christian belief. Um, Another one being, so there's this idea is what I'm getting to, that people don't go straight to heaven or hell, that they will wait till the rising of the dead, which is talked about in Revelation, um, which which would be Sheol, I believe, right? So I don't know. It's it's a question that I have is my point. And it's something that I want to do a deeper dive into because I feel like the modern church has completely forgotten about this concept uh, or in Catholicism it was shifted into purgatory. Uh, So it's it's an interesting question, I think. Yeah. Um, Getting down further into the seven stars and the seven lampstands, I think it's really interesting that there's there's two there's a distinction between the seven angels of the churches and the seven churches so the seven churches are very specific churches in very specific places and they literally say uh, these are in asia here are the cities these churches are in but the seven angels of the churches conceivably are not necessarily tied to those specific cities anymore right yeah i mean conceivably i don't know it's a good question though i have wondered and this is probably going to make the catholics mad so i apologize but i have wondered if each of these angels kind of presides over a different major faction of christianity at this point not that um the angel is leading anybody astray but that it always has seemed to me that some i don't want to get too into the weeds but we definitely have a lot of different, really well, distinct w- factions of Christianity, and I just wonder if if there are different. I think also what you're, presiding. I think also what you're saying too is like even though there was a lot of distinct factions of Christianity in our belief as Protestants, right. um, that doesn't mean that you know if they're wrong on one thing or they have a disagreement on another, that means that there's only you know they're not, that they're going to hell that they couldn't be led by God, they couldn't be led by you know have an right. angel residing over their church or whatever. So yeah, I, I think uh, you know. I think that's a belief that we share where it's like, right. Do I think that it's a big deal? Uh, for instance, if the clergy wears this certain dress thing with the red shawl on it, like not, I don't think that's particularly <laughs> important, but some churches think it's really important and we can disagree on it. And I can still believe we're, we're both saved by the blood of Christ. So, right. Um, yeah. Right. And, and as we'll see, as we get into these little letters to each church, cause each one gets, it's a little couple paragraphs. Um, some of them are in more error than others. Um, so I have you also I do, said you also yeah. said that two things can be true at once when it comes to prophecy. So this could be talking about seven 
I mean, it is talking about seven actual churches and the seven angels that preside over them. It could also be symbolic of seven, uh, you know, major denomination, whatever you want to, however, or, or types of churches or beliefs. Cause some people have mm-hmm. interpreted this too, to be like each one of these churches is a, not even a denomination, but a type where you might have like one of them definitely seems to represent the Joel Osteen type of church. It's like really right. worldly and will sell their souls for money. And the, you know, they're doing right. something wrong. So it could be so, seven. Let me just, yeah. Yeah. Let me just clarify, Dave, there is two things. This is why we're saying there's the seven stars, right? The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So it's really clear here in the Bible that he is specifically saying the seven lampstands are these seven individual and their name churches. Yeah. With, with the accompanying physical location of the city. So absolutely. The, the question mark in my mind is that are the angels that are presiding over them here also, are they still tied to those physical cities or have they spread out around the world? And are they now presiding over different kind of factions of Christianity as they exist today? So like, the both and both this is talking about specific physical churches but also talking about well i think the lessons that you learn from each of these churches is still applicable and i think that's you know where you right. you're you're saying is this a message like this is how all of the new testament or most of the parts written by paul specifically are where it's like was paul writing specifically to a church in corinth Yes. Mm-hmm. Does that mean he's only talking to Corinthians or is he talking through time to other churches? Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Dave says here, the churches were literal, but definitely a typology as well. That's a, yes. yeah, that's thanks perfect. We're Glad yeah. we're on the same page. So are we ready to move on to the first church? Do we have more? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about the church in Ephesus. Okay. Now Ephesus um, is also where we have oop, this giant temple to Artemis, I believe. Right. Artemis of the Ephesians. So important to note, probably, maybe, I don't know. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. So kind of going back to what we were saying, that God is controlling these seven angels, and he's walking among the seven churches. Right? Right. I know your works and your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So really quick, the Nicolaitans, I have this note here. They were a heretical sect within the church that had worked out a compromise with the pagan society. Oh. Its adherents apparently taught that spiritual liberty gave them sufficient leeway to practice idolatry and immorality. Wow. Does this not sound so... Holy crap. Yeah, that's read what that I'm again. saying. Read that yeah, again, I'm going to read this one more time because this is very important. When he says, I hate the Nicolaitans, that good you do because I hate them too. A heretical sect within the church that worked out a compromise with the pagan society. 
I'm thinking the t- modern day Methodist church. And yes, I can crap on the Methodist church. I grew up Methodist and we all see that they're like literally approving pagan worshipers as they're, you know, they're not being taken care of by the heads. They're just allowing it. Uh, it's adherents apparently taught that spiritual liberty gave them sufficient leeway to practice idolatry and immorality. Tradition identifies with Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism who was one of the first seven deacons in the Jerusalem church, though the evidence is merely circumstantial similar group at the Pergamum held at the teaching of Balaam, the, uh, and some, uh, th- Thyatira were followers of the woman Jezebel from the heretical tendencies. It would appear that all three groups were Nicolaitans or at least part of the same sect. So, okay. Yeah. Balaam. I think it's pronounced Balaam. Yeah. I, I could be I wrong. wrong. He's going to come up in the next letter or a couple letters. So that's going to be important too. Um, one thing I want to point out this line, he who has an, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. This line is going to be, re- be repeated toward the end of every single letter. So it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily feel confident assigning this, like even, even as I'm saying, I think maybe this is, you know, also applying to various sects of Christianity. I'm not necessarily comfortable saying this is about this group. Well, no, you, you know? know, I actually don't think it's, um, as, as specific, if we're going to take that lesson, I don't think it's as specific as a denomination as much as it is a type of mm. like a, like a spirit, you know, like that within yeah. the church, like what, I mean, you could look at it. There's a lot of words you could use for it, but like, this is definitely a type of church. And I don't think it's like, I brought up Methodist just because we've seen the, the demon pastors. And I'm, I'm not joking when I say demon, like there's this one I saw recently where was this, drag demonic drag outfit like it was like the stuff you see at child drag story time but it was a pastor of the methodist church uh and we've seen at least three or four really good examples of that this year so i'm not just picking on methodist but i having been part of that church my whole life uh looking at this going wow something really bad happened here and they've turned from god um and i know that the methodists right now are actually trying to split there's people in that movement that are trying to split and go back to yeah uh, the way it used to be and good for them. But my point is like, I don't think it's, I don't even think it's related just to the Methodist church. I think you could take right. this idea of, well, we have to be part of the culture. So we have to idolize these things and we'll give us some leeway and some libertarian values can excuse my sins and my worship of other things. So I think that that could be applied to tons of people and tons of different mm-hmm. churches and pastors and things like that. So kind of reviewing this church, a couple key features are your works have been really good your toil and patient endurance have been really good. You can't bear with those who are evil. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false, kind of rooting out the liars, standing for the truth. And you hate the Nicolaitans. You hate the, like the woke churches. You hate the people right. who are the libertarian churches who are, but you've become weak and yeah. complacent. Yeah. You've, you've abandoned the love that you have at first. I, I don't even necessarily see weakness or complacency here. Uh, just not, Right. It like following all the rules for the wrong reasons, just not even loving God going through the motions. Yeah. I'm sorry. I kind of misspoke a minute ago when I'm said this, obviously I I meant the Nicolaitans represent whoever, but like this spirit of the church obviously doesn't represent the Nicolaitans. It's not what I meant to say. It represents people who are good in so many ways. They want to kick the Nicolaitans out. They have a real love for God, 
but they've become complacent and lazy and maybe just going through the motions. And I think a lot of people can relate to, I go to church on Sunday and that's the only time I think of God. And that's the only time I pray. And that's the only time that I have anything to do with the Bible. Uh, you know, and I can't wait to get to KFC as soon as, as soon as that pastor who has got the clock on the wall telling him when he's got to end ends his thing. So I think that could be a way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I wonder even if it's here, not necessarily complacency and laziness so much as like you are doing all of the right things and, but the love for God is not there. Like oh, the, the, right. the thing okay. that's supposed to be driving it isn't. So you're, you're, you know, you're <clears> so mad at evil and you're fighting evil, but you're not, like, you're not doing it, it for well. right. Okay. That's yeah, you're right. That's that probably fair? a better way to put it than complacency. Like you're doing the right things, but you're not doing it for me anymore. It's just yeah. become your personality, your, your go-to your thing. Like instead of being, you know, instead of having that love, it says return to your first love. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. To the church in Smyrna, which let me just make sure there's, I want to Smyrna. Is there anything interesting about Smyrna that we should know? Uh, we'll just start reading it. And then I, if I have to bring up anything, I will. Okay. I'll, I'll try um, to look here if I've got any notes. Okay. What, if you happen to verse, see... Sorry, it starts at verse 8. It starts at verse 8. If you happen to see any... um, Like... Well, here, I'll read, I'll read this first about what the church is. So, okay. Smyrna was a proud and beautiful Asian city in modern Izmir, closely aligned with Rome and eager to meet its demands for emperor worship. This plus a large and actively hostile Jewish population made it extremely difficult to live there as a Christian. Polycarp, the most famous of the early martyrs, was Bishop of Smyrna, uh, the first and last. Yeah. So that's a little bit about who Smyrna was at the time this was written. Okay. Um, there's definitely connected with Smyrna um, a Greek myth involving Aphrodite. So we don't have a temple to Aphrodite in this town, but it might be just to note that this is right. this is kind of baked in here. Okay. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for 10 days, you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. So this is like the martyrs. The yeah, that's what it sounds. I mean, this is literally their their most famous bishop or whatever you would call it was a martyr. So Okay. Um, Polycarp. So this isn't even like some, something to point out about these seven churches is not all of them are like your church has done this wrong. Fix it. Like some of them are just letters, letters of encouragement. This seems to be one. Like I know your tribulation, your poverty, the slander you go through. Uh, you've got people who have infiltrated you who are actually a synagogue of Satan, but don't fear what you're about to suffer. These, this is encouragement to the martyrs. I think. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. It mm-hmm. it makes me think of all the, you know, we, we get so caught up in our first world Christianity and our first world stuff. 
and specifically American stuff, but there's there are churches all over the world in China and in Africa and in the Middle East who are still under incredible persecution, like real persecution. We have yeah. no idea what that's like. Even the amount of pressure we face as Christians, we still have no concept of what they go through. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's real persecution everywhere in the world. Uh, China's one that comes to mind. I've met uh, missionaries in China and geez. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. To the church in Pergamum. What do we know about Pergamum? Pergamum. This starts at verse 12. Pergamum was the modern Bergama, the ancient capital of Asia built on a cone shaped hill rising a thousand feet above the surrounding valley. Its name in Greek means citadel. Uh, Oh, this is where we get into. Okay. We'll read this and then I've got a note in a minute. Okay. Um, Athena is associated with Pergamum. um, And Gia. So okay. Athena was a city goddess of Pergamum, and in the story, she breaks the giant Alcyonius's contact to the earth, from which the mother of the giants, Gia, emerges. So there's, there's, I guess, some sort of struggle between Athena and the Titans that basically the gods had defeated the Titans. Um, so very interesting. So there's an altar in Pergamum to Athena, the goddess of wisdom, by the way. Okay. Right. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum write the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. So I think it's interesting that different things about Jesus are being highlighted to each of these churches. Right. Well, it, it, going back to that first seeing of Jesus when he's got the seven lamps and stuff, right. it says he's got you know a, a sharp-edged sword and he's got the stars in his hand and this and that. So like I like how it sets that imagery up mm-hmm. and then it references it to each one of these. Yeah. Yeah. So highlighting the, the two-edged sword here. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Oh, this is where... This is where Zeus, the, the temple of Zeus is, right? Let's let's review that when we get to the end. Yeah, well, let's get to the end and come back. Yeah, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Yet you hold fast my name, and you did not deny my faith. Even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teachings of Balaam. Told you that was going to come back up. Who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Therefore repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who conquers. I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. So this seems to be pretty clearly about, yeah, I see. I will get that. We'll get to that, Jess. Uh, This seems to be pretty clearly about uh, people who need to root out false teaching. As I said to that church earlier, you guys have rooted out the Nicolaitans, but you're not loving me with your whole heart. Whereas this church you're allowing the Nicolaitans in, you're allowing uh, Balaam worshipers, uh, Balak. I want to go through some of my notes to talk about what some of that stuff means. Um, but first of all, we mentioned the temp, uh, the throne of Satan. So in, in this, it says where Satan has his throne, Satan ruled from Pergamum in that it was the official center of emperor worship in Asia. Okay. Uh, 
And then the next part we've talked about in the CERN episode and we talked about on the Project Bluebeam episode, which is uh, no on the Nephilim episode, uh, which is Antipas, which was the first martyr of Asia. And according to the tradition, he was slowly roasted to death in a bronze kettle during the reign of domination or domination. It doesn't say it in here, but he was boiled alive in a kettle where CERN is at now. I'm trying to remember that like Davos is right. Or the Apollyacum. Um, the, yeah. Above the Apollyacum though, the temple to Apollo in Sweden. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting stuff. So I, I'm beginning to, so I always used to, every time the Bible said Satan, I would say that's also the same as Lucifer. And I have, I don't think that anymore. I, I think um, that Satan, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I, I'm. I just. I'm, I want to say. I'm glad you brought that up. And if if Cam is still here, he said earlier that there's something about the use of Lucifer that annoys him. And I wonder if it's the same thing. And I would really love it, Cam, if you would. Um, yeah, let, let us, us know. know. What I have started to wonder is if Satan is more of a blanket term for all of the, like the entirety of the horde that rebelled against God. Um. And that there is, there's individuals within that kind of. Um, so what you were saying was Satan's throne as far as that was kind of the center of the worship of the known world at, at the time. Like the god of the world, the the emperor worship was It was the center of emperor there. worship in, in yeah. Asia, yes. Yeah. So basically the seat of the religion that most people were following. Well, also there was, and this, this is another reference some people have made, there was the giant temple to Zeus, I believe there, and it looks like a throne. Right. So some people have said that that is the reference that that Zeus uh, temple that's shaped like a throne is what he's referencing is that is the throne of Satan because it's false worship. It's worship of other gods. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, Satan, I guess, is is also the name. You know, Jesus gets tempted by Satan. Rusty makes this point. So. Well, yeah, um, yeah, also Satan in the Old Testament and Job is known as the. Uh, accuser. Yeah. Yeah. So it does seem to be a, 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 an individual person. You're right. Yeah. You're right. I think it um, is too. Yeah. Or so fallen I angel, think demonic being, whatever. Then in this case, it's going to be, if it's going to be, if it's saying where Satan's throne is, then this is Zeus. This is Zeus Bell. It's not the same as Hades Lucifer. Is right. What I think so. What I think we're getting to. But it says where Satan dwells, which we have said that's Apollo. So this is one of those things we kind of we kind of struggle through a little bit. I'd like to hear your opinion too, Dave. Again, I know people will get mad at us as we're working through this, but remember, we're trying like the whole point of doing this is to have these conversations and to talk things right. and work through things. So um, right. we're trying to learn uh we're not alongside to, of you, we're not trying to teach. <laughs> yeah, we're not trying to teach, and we're also not trying to um, be wrong either. We're trying to get it right. Eventually. Exactly. Exactly. So um, definitely. I, I definitely believe that there are a bunch of different people that, you know, I grew up thinking there's just one, one Satan Lucifer person. And it seems like, no, there's, there's quite a few different beings that are kind of playing also, here, so. also, I just want to point out, like, we appreciate if you call us out if you think we're full of shit. Or, sorry, yeah, excuse absolutely. my language. I don't mean to swear in this stream. Bad <laughs> habit of mine. If it, no, for real, if you think we're wrong, I actually appreciate you calling us out because that's what we're supposed to do as Christians is correct each other 
and yeah. grow and learn. So um, yeah. all I'm asking for is a little bit of grace. If we get things wrong, call us out. Let us know if you think we're wrong. Doesn't mean that mm-hmm. we're going to agree with you, but that's the point of the conversation. So, right. Um, does anyone know, like, do we know what the word Satan means? Like well, we the know old Lucifer, word was Hasatan. That's where Satan comes from, which in Job would have been the accuser. The that, accuser? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause, cause here, this passage we're, we're like where Satan's throne is, we have attributed that to be the throne of Zeus, but then where Satan dwells, we've attributed that to be Apollo, Apollyon, the, the destroyer. So right. it's, you know, um, yeah. But I wanted to get to Balaam. So this is something I want to review. I've put it on my list of, of passages that Dave, are connected. Dave says this here really quick. So I'm sorry. Dave says, so I don't have my notes in front of me, but I think this was the center of the Caesar cult and Rome of Rome. And it's yes. that is what my notes say. It says this was the center of emperor worship, which would have been exactly what you're saying, Dave. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I didn't go ahead. Yeah. Um, Lit, you're you're asking. Oh, Satanus is Greek. In Greek, is gossip. Do we ha- do we see the word Satan in the Old Testament, or is it specifically starting to be used in? Oh, is no, it, it is the accuser like the and gossip? yeah. Hasatan okay. is the original. It's been translated okay. to modern English as Satan, but that is how it would have been said. That's okay. the only reason I brought it. We do see Satan in the in in Job okay. specifically. Yeah. Um, Lit was wondering if um, he might have been the original serpent. I have thought in my research that the original serpent is going to be Hermes, the messenger, the traditionally the messenger god, who's also associated with snakes. I want to I want to ask this question too, so don't get mad at us. But I don't see in the original. Um, Genesis account that it says the serpent was specifically Satan. And I wonder if what Abby's trying to say and the question we're trying to ask is I feel like everybody makes every demonic creature false God into Satan himself instead of realizing that there are many false gods, that there are many demonic beings who have, t- you know, these pantheons that we see in Greek and in Egypt and all these places. It's not just there's one like I think we look at it as there's just just Satan instead of that there are many false demonic gods that try to get people to worship them. So I do wonder, I do wonder about the serpent. If it's like it doesn't say Satan, it's just like we believe that that has to be him, but it does it have to be? I don't know. It's a, it's a With question. With this I guess. point by Dave, Satan also means adversary and was applied to more than just Lucifer at the time, i.e., Peter being called Satan, which kind of brings me full circle back to what I was saying earlier. What if Satan is Sometimes. more of a title? that can be applied to several different well just like antichrist can be a title that's applied to more than one person like we'll get into this it comes up in revelation and this isn't even a uh it's not even a really debated topic that it says in the bible that there's not just one antichrist there's what we would call the beast or the antichrist but there's many antichrists it says it right in the bible Mm -hmm. so like that is a title as well so like i wonder if at times hasatan satan whatever is talking about a specific being Mm -hmm. and then at other times being used as i mean here's i'm sorry i'm gonna give a little bit of a rant here there are so many times where i feel like there's phrases we use 
that we understand to be have more than one meaning where like I feel like we don't give that to ancient texts sometimes where people talk in certain ways where you might say you know Satan might be synonymous or also used between just being one person and also adversary so like you know what what I'm saying whereas like we we want to take things a little bit too literally sometimes where it might be a turn of phrase to these people in certain parts or might be understood to these people as when if I say get behind me Satan I mean you're my adversary it's representational like he's not literally calling Peter literal Satan either so yeah um rusty shackleford thank you for the two dollars super chat um referencing genesis 3 5 would you mind looking that up real quick pj yes i do mind no i'm just kidding thank you rusty (laughs) appreciate that genesis 3 5 i do mind i mind a whole lot um so i have genesis is at the beginning of (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh i'm gonna have to kick him out of here (laughs) i have i have felt i have i think that the serpent is is Hermes is this is this god that's been associated with bearing messages, um, and kind of we, a, a lot of religions seem to begin with some sort of god coming down, giving a message, and going away. So you know, Allah, um, the the god behind Mormonism, the the angel Moroni, you know all. A lot of these different things involve this sort of messenger God coming, giving some sort of secret knowledge and then leaving. And I think that's Hermes every time. And he is he is symbolically associated with the, the snake. So really quick, I'll read uh, a little bit from Genesis here. So I'll start with three, four uh, it says you will not, you will certainly not die talking about eating the, the from the, tree of good and evil of the knowledge mm-hmm. of good and evil. The serpent said to the woman for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. I know um, knowing good and evil. That is Genesis three, five again. I don't know if like maybe a different, I don't know if the point was that it says Satan in your translation or not. I don't see translations that specifically call it Satan. It's just a question. I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. how much it matters, but I think the point we're trying to make is I feel like there are, if you're blind to the, if you're blind to the fact that there are many demonic gods that are taking up, you know, names and causing worship and all these places throughout all of time something that we're trying to understand too um yeah lilith i so lilith doesn't come from the bible i know some people say lilith comes from the bible lilith comes from uh middle ages kabbalah which is like an ancient jewish mysticism Mm -hmm. um and it might have roots earlier than that as you know like a uh stories i'm not saying lilith isn't a real demon i'm just saying it's not uh the 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 ancient Kabbalah belief is that that was Adam's first wife and she sucked. So he got rid of her and gave him Eve, which is I've heard right. some people tell me that that's in the Bible. I'm like, no, it's literally not in the Bible. So it is. It does seem to be the same being that is Asherah. That is Aphrodite. Mm. That is always the consort of the sky. Right, God, right. basically. So you have the Zeus character and then you have the Hera Aphrodite character, the um, sexy marriage goddess basically so rusty's saying uh satan the eye the eye shall be open so the other thing that my bible references here is that this is a very similar claim that we know was satan that was made to job which is again it why i think that is there and i'm just kind of asking i I guess i'm just asking the question because i i don't know i feel like sometimes we take things for granted it's it's even if i'm wrong it's important to like question be like are we believing this because we read it in um, 
Shakespeare or Dante or whatever, or we believe in this because it's in the Milton. Bible. And I Milton. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's well, this one specifically, Milton, right? So like yeah. I know so many people that believe things are in the Bible that are in Paradise Lost. And I'm not yeah. saying Paradise Lost isn't a great work, but I feel like it's important to not allow two thousand years of culture to distort what the Bible yeah. really says with what our culture says about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cody says Lilith was referenced in Isaiah. That can absolutely be the case. Lilith is, I might be wrong, but it's um, well, okay. I, Lilith is a demon. Like yes. no quest, no question. It's just a, <clears throat> um, part of the, I believe what I meant to yeah. say, I, I probably said this wrong where I said, it's not in the Bible. Uh, maybe I didn't say that. I don't remember what I said. What I was trying to say, it's not in Genesis. Lilith is a demon. I, it, the Kabbalah, the Kabbalah religion teaches that Lilith was Adam's first wife. Um, so Lilith very, yeah, you're probably right. She's mentioned in Isaiah. I'll take you Isaiah for your word. 34, 14. If you want to look it up. Okay. But my point was that I know people who believe that the Bible actually teaches that Lilith was Adam's first wife and it does right. not teach that uh, was the point I was trying to make. Uh, Isaiah 35, what? 34, four, I've got it. 34, 14. And wild animals shall meet with hyenas. The wild goat shall cry to his fellow. Indeed, there the night bird settles, and that—that's the word. That's okay. There the night bird settles and finds for herself a resting place. But that is marked identity uncertain. So, what is being translated "night bird" here is is what is sometimes translated, and there Lilith settles and finds for herself a resting place. Yeah, I absolutely believe that Lilith is a real demonic being. I just. So let's get back to Balaam because I wanted to hit on that. Balaam is a character in, um, I want to say, Numbers, Deuteronomy, around there. Um, where <laughs> Rob's telling me to repent. I'm sorry, Rob. I will turn from my ways, get things right. <laughs> um, where am I at here with Revelation? It says... You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food, sacrifice to idols, and practice sexual immorality. So Balaam was a prophet in one of the, the places Israel was coming into to conquer. And Balak was the king, and the king called the prophet in. He was like, prophesy against Israel. And Balaam three times tried to prophesy against Israel and couldn't. And he ended up prophesying something good over Israel, but he wasn't a good guy. He was just, he was unable to prophesy a bad thing because God had control of him in the moment. But he also did as a favor to Balak, basically talk Israel into what is described here, eating food, sacrifice to idols and practicing sexual immorality. And we see this in, in today's society. We see um, participating in idolatry, um, the rise of the old gods, and and tons of sexual immorality, right? Right, yeah. Um, also, thank you again, Dave. This, again, like this is why we're asking the questions and happy to, to listen to what you guys say. In, in Revelation 12, 9, it says... The great dragon was hurled down the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. So, yeah, I think that's I think that's good evidence for that being the case. I wasn't saying that it's not. I'm I'm just I really do want to know because 
I feel like I feel like t- people take it for granted that mm-hmm. it says Satan in Genesis as the serpent. It doesn't. So th- I think that you answered the question with what it says in Revelation that it's a callback to this is the serpent that leads right. people astray, the ancient serpent. So yeah, that's that's good. <clears throat> yeah, and um, let's not worry too much about chapters. Um, right, future yeah. chapters let's, of Revelation. Let's keep but getting back to where we were at. <laughs> it's definitely good to reference. So yeah. there's a lot in this Pergamum one. There was a lot going on in Pergamum. We know it was uh, associated with Athena, associated with Gia and some other of the Titans, but also where Zeus's throne was. So a, a massive stronghold of the, um, a massive stronghold of the ancient Greek religion as it transitioned into the the worship of the emperors because this was a transition point this is a flexion point in history where they started to give up their old pantheons and started to follow more human type gods thank you for the super chat dave really appreciate that yeah check out revelation 12 9 and we'll let's make a note to we're not going to get to revelation 12 tonight at well, all, no i but, read it a second ago but yeah but we're not going to get, we that get far there tonight. when we get there i want to focus in on it again um right. so Thank you. Thank you, guys. Um, but then also the Nicolaitans are brought up again. So there's just a lot going on in Pergamum. A lot of, it, it seems like this this church is really, it's like they're right in the thick of it. They're really being hurt and harmed by the terrible things that are happening, but they're also getting lost in it as well. Like they're, It's like they're right on the front lines and they're getting confused who they're fighting almost. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, this is talking about, I feel like once you have so many people infiltrate a church that are teaching different doctrines and different teachings, that's going to become confusing because you want to have unity and you want to, you know, fight alongside your brethren. And then you're like, yeah, but maybe these Nicolaitans, we really shouldn't allow them into our, into our group. Uh, Maybe we should actually, you know. So, thank you so much, Cody. I, thank you. you all, Appreciate the, that. The support is really, truly means a lot to us. Um, those of you who don't know, and PJ will never tell you, but PJ is just going through a lot of like really, really bad luck right now. So the support is is so helpful. Um, cars yeah, I, and equipment and all sorts of my things. My car is not at home right now. It's down the road, broke down. I've got to go figure out what to do with it after the stream. So appreciate oh you guys goodness. so much. Yeah, and it's freezing rain, so I get to walk <laughs> through that and to try to fix my car. Uh, no, seriously though, I mean this a lot. Like you guys' support has been amazing because I've I've had a rough week. I've told a few people, and I appreciate you guys a lot. So yeah, I I, I really think, and I'm I'm not trying to make too much of this. I think that what we're doing right here, as it said in the beginning of Revelation, blessed are those who read these words aloud. I think that not us, but us, all of us, people in chat, all of you guys, us as a group, as a community right now, are doing something that Satan does not want to happen. Yes. Um, yeah. So, appreciate you. Um, the other thing I kind of want to highlight here, as a Baptist, and watching kind of how g- the general Baptist, non-denominational types of churches are operating right now, it seems like this actually describes us really well, where in some ways we're like right in it and doing the right thing. And in some ways we're like completely lost and unmoored from, from the right and the truth. Right. Um, just like kind of hearts in the right place, but feet definitely not kind of a thing. 
Um, but to the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. And this is made much of in teaching about heaven, of this whole thing about we're going to get new names. Yeah. What do you think about that? I mean, I feel like it's a really open question. Um, what about new names? Yeah, the whole concept of, of this this white stone with a new name. I mean, it makes sense. It. I feel like we're going to be made perfect. We're going to be made into perfect bodies, into perfect beings. Um, so I, <laughs> I, I feel like there's certain, you know, like, let, let me put it this way. If uh, your parents named you some awful, like after some awful demonic being or something like that, or some stupid name, like I think it makes sense that God would give us a perfect uh, name as well as a, a perfect body and all these other things. So, yeah, I want to, I want to take a moment to just pr- I, the luxury in the chat. Um, I feel like Satan is after my family and definitely Can we take a minute to pray way? for you luxury yeah. because it, as long as that's okay with you, because I can I'm going to say something here too before we do that I'll give you a chance to answer um, one of the things that we're working on right now as well with everything else we're trying to manage and do is some people ask for a discord and we have a telegram and stuff like that and I just want to be able to have a place within that discord and you can reach out to us however um, where we can give prayer requests and pray for each other because that is something that's not just I'm going through but I know people in chat are going through things everybody's got their struggles um, yeah. so if that's something that we can do as a community to, to bless each other and to pray for each other, then uh, that is something I would like to do. Would you like, is, yeah. would you like to pray for luxury really quick? Yeah. Dear Lord, thank you so much for, for this stream and for everyone who is here and for everyone who is struggling, but specifically for those who have spoken up luxury and for, for PJ as well. Um, for those on whom attacks by Satan are coming, I pray that you would um, stand, stand in the way of that and show through these situations, how powerful you are. Um, and I know sometimes you like to kind of show off in bad situations and I pray that we get to see it and, uh, that it won't be too long until you show yourself. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I'll keep you in my prayers luxury. That's, uh, that's tough. And I know, you know, that's the other thing too. I feel like that's why we get into all of the, uh, spiritual warfare stuff so much because it's so real. Like I, I know for, for, for instance, sometimes it's easy to be like, I've got a financial problem. I've got this thing going on. I've got that thing going on. It's easy to look at and point out. And and then there's other times where you just can't explain to people what you're going through, but it feels worse than all of that. Um, so if that's something that you're going through with within your family, as you say as well, uh, then that, you know, that's uh very serious stuff. I want to be praying for you for that as well. Uh, and if there's anything we can do, let us know. So, yeah. Um, okay. So where we're at right now, we're in hour 15 into the stream and we are about halfway through chapter two and the churches go through chapter four. Part of me would really love to get through the, all the churches, but I also know that people have places to be and things to do. So what are you guys thinking? What are you thinking, PJ? What do you need? <laughs> because I have to go work on my car and I ha- haven't slept yet. If I do yeah. end up working tonight, um, why don't we, why don't we do it this way? Why don't we finish chapter two? Okay. I feel like we could come back next time and finish the rest of the churches. And then I'd like to try to get Cam on when we get to the scroll and the lamb chapter five. Yeah. Um, and maybe we can have someone on with us next time as well. I don't know. We, we can talk about it off stream, but um, does that sound good to people? Yeah. Like, you know, 
again, I'm not trying to like, I would stream for hours if people wanted it. Um, and if I wasn't <laughs> having to deal with car <laughs> issues, uh, but I feel like that'd be a, a good place to, to get to. Okay. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. So let's finish chapter two and then we'll do three and four and then we'll have cam on for five. Yeah. Okay. To the church in Thyatira, which let's check on what do we got going on in Thyatira? So let me see. This is 18. Thyatira, which is the modern Akasar. Man, these names. <laughs> Founded by Seleucus, uh, a military outpost. It was noted for its many trading guilds. Uh, Lydia was a... Well, that goes on to later. But yeah, that's kind okay. of the backstory of what that is. So military outpost. Okay. Lots of trading going on. Thyatira is associated with Apollo. Of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. Okay. And to the military angel, destroyers, those things go hand in hand sometimes. Love that for us. Yeah. Okay. And to the church and to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write the words of the son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. This goes back I, to what you were saying, by the way, that these attributes of Jesus that they're pointing out. And again, this is why I don't think that's an angel in the beginning as, as that one dude right. said. Right. Every one of these has an attribute that's important. So we've got the sword coming out of the mouth. Now we've got the eyes of flame. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure that'll, I just want to make sure that people are paying attention to that imagery as you continue to read. Also, thank you so much, Rusty, for the ch- super chat. I appreciate you guys a lot. Yeah, this, really, thank you. Rusty, We I so much appreciate how thoughtful your input has been throughout this whole thing. Very supportive and very thoughtful. Very, um, yeah. very, uh, just really good things contributing. All of you have been contributing really good things to this conversation. So yeah. Um, it says, I know your works, your love and faith. Oh, okay. Good point, Dave. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I wasn't trying to interrupt you. <laughs> I was just bringing things up on the screen. Letting people know. So I noticed them. Uh, yes. The new name is the written in the lamb's book of life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I think it's interesting that each of these churches, a lot of them are dealing with very similar things. Like that's, this right. is why it makes me think it, it's also about our world today is that even though these churches are in very different cities, they're all kind of dealing with the same stuff. Right, right, ways. right. Yeah, and I think I think that this is why it is two things at once. It's obviously real churches dealing with real mm-hmm. issues. And then also because we have that symbolism of the different attributes of Jesus um, it's ta- It's still like some of them seem very similar, but I still think they're dealing with sometimes maybe even the same problems from different angles because sometimes you can have the same, you know, maybe you have sexual immorality in this church and sexual immor- immorality in that mm-hmm. church. But the, the problem with the church in and of itself is not just the sexual immorality. Maybe it's the, um, you know, like the libertarian view of it. Like, yeah, that's fine. We'll make excuses for it. Or maybe it's the turning a blind eye to it. Or maybe it's, um, whatever, there's myriad ways that you can, as a church, go about that the wrong way. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, I um, talking about this Jezebel character. I gave her time to repent, 
but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of their works. And I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Yeah. Uh, a few things really quick. Um, I am trying to keep up with the chats over here on Rumble. <laughs> uh, Rob says the sexual morality is an outward expression of sin. Something deeper is at play. Yes. Yeah, I think that's the point I was trying to make is that it's there's other there's always other moral failings that go along with mm -hmm. sexual immorality. It's never just that. And I think that's why the Bible is so harsh on sexual immorality because it corrupts you as a person. And in order, you know, in doing that, you're corrupting so much more. You're corrupting your integrity. Uh, you're telling lies, whatever. There's so many things that go along with, with that sin uh, in particular. A few things in this. Do you mind if I point out a few things that you just yeah, read about? Yeah, go for it because I'm lost. Okay, so Jezebel, um, some people have pointed out that this is not a real person. This is because Jezebel, obviously, uh, Ahab's wife in the Old Testament. What what I think that my translation interprets as, I think, is is correct, that Jezebel might not be her real name, but it is used for a real woman to call mm -hmm. out her type of sin. So right. her name's probably not literally Jezebel, but that's because Jezebel is representation of sexual immorality. Um, and then... Let me see. So uh, also it says that he'll strike down her children. Uh, Jezebel's spirit. This is just a note here. Jezebel is the spiritual mother of all who pursue anatomian or libertine. That's an easier way to put it. Jezebel is the spiritual mother of all who pursue libertine doctrines. Um, he who searches. So basically it's saying like not literally her children, but the people that have taken up her belief system. I feel like that's probably a better uh, interpretation of it. Then you said Satan's so-called deep secrets. This has been something that I've been diving into a lot and it's going to come up in our show more often. It's going to come up in this a lot. Um, there was a real problem in the early church with this movement called Gnosticism. And the reason why it's so important, why I'm obsessed with it a little bit, forgive me, is because it didn't go away. And the, the, the this is what Satan's so-called teachings are. This is what, if you trace Gnosticism to today, Gnosticism is this, it's taking the Greek gods, essentially, it's taking this Plato Greek worldview and trying to use Christianity to bring people to that worldview instead of the other way around. That's one easy way to put it. So basically, this idea of Gnosticism came up in the Knights Templar. It's part of, um, as because we're a conspiracy channel, it's part of the Freemasonry. It's a Luciferian religion um, because they actually believe that there was two gods, there was the God who created the earth, the, the world, and he's bad, and he was trying to hide knowledge from us. And then there's Lucifer, uh, or whatever they want to call him, different names for these different sects or different outgrowths of Gnosticism. But, it's, but it is a Luciferian religion because it's trying to say that the God that created the universe is actually a bad and evil God, and you should worship this alternative God, Satan, Lucifer, whatever. So 
Um, that is what this is referencing here. Gnosticism was already uh, springing up at this time, and it, it probably didn't have like a name yet. But uh, yeah, so mm. it, it's a persisting belief system that worships a person. Uh, this is why we always talk about these things, right, Abby? Because you can see these religions and these pantheons. Like, it's not just farmers sitting around a fire making up camp stories when all these pantheons seem to have the same beings yeah. with different names. And that's what that's why Gnosticism is important because maybe today it's called Mormonism. Uh, sorry, but it is. Uh, maybe it's called Mormonism today. But, like, that's why you have to understand it's worshiping the, the same things throughout time. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that there are certain things that the Bible outright names like, and that's why I often lean on either the, the being that the Bible specifically names or the pantheon that's connected to. So the Bible specifically names Hades a lot. So I lean on the Greek pantheon a lot because the Bible names also Apollo and Athena and Artemis. Um, And Jesus comes down into this Greek Greek and Roman conception. And so all of these, there's a lot of references to the Greek and Roman pantheons, but there's also, you know, Baal is named where this is this sky God we see in every single pantheon, um, Baal, right. Zeus. Um, and we see his consort, this um, Asherah. Asherah, Easter. Yeah. Yeah. Lilith. Yep. Aphrodite. We see that all over the place. So, I'm not that is one of the to, most consistent parts of all of this too. And that's why I think that those two demonic beings right. are so powerful. I'm not trying to insert extra biblical things into the Bible, but I am trying to pay attention when the Bible itself brings them up and the Bible itself has brought up these pantheons. Right. So I'm trying to make sense of it. You have to understand your enemy too. I, I find it funny. I brought up, uh, I answered a question before I saw it was in chat. Uh, so we had lit and Dr. Bob's nightmare asking the same question. Uh, the, and I will strike your children dead makes me wonder if it's not a prophecy of the increased fertility of in, in this evil time. That's a, yeah. that's an interesting take on it. That's another one. I, I just, I want to point out, I, and I don't think anybody really truly, well, some people will believe it because they'll take everything literal. It's not talking about literally killing her children. This is all prophetic or, or, or symbolic in a lot of ways. So I think it's pretty clear that that one's pretty interesting, but I think it's pretty clear that it's uh, talking about children of this belief system and Dave also being uh, way smarter about a lot of this stuff than and knowing a lot of the words. He points out what I got to eventually anti uh, nomial meaning against the law anti law. I just called mm. it libertine because that was easier to pronounce. <laughs> but yes, yes, libertarians. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> There are there are some things in Revelation that seem to be kind of like eh, I'm not sure I think this libertarian thing is the best thing. I don't know. So that is the first one, two, three, four, the first four churches. So we're basically halfway through the churches. Will be three more, um, and then the throne next time. Do we? Okay, you said we had two more chapters of the churches. We only have one. Yeah, we 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 just finished the one we were Let's, in. If you're okay with it, because I was thinking we had two more chapters. What if we okay. get through three, and okay. then we could try to have Cam on next time and go through four and five? Let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. I just I'm feeling it. I feel like we, I want to finish this part that we're getting to. So sorry okay. that we're extending this, but we're extending this. So. <laughs> ha ha! You guys are trapped. You can't yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right, we are at Sardis. What do we know about Sardis? Yep. Second. So Sardis. 
chapter three. Uh, modern Sart, capital of the ancient kingdom of Lydia. It was a city of great wealth and fame. The Acropolis was a natural citadel on the northern spur of Mount <laughs> Tamolis. It rose 1,500 feet above the lower valley. Uh, so, yeah, modern uh, capital of, yeah, city of great wealth and fame. That's a good place to start. I wonder if we're going to get into uh, Joel Osteen stuff here. So there's no particular god that I can see that's associated with Sardis. Um, so let's get into it. Unto the angel of the church in Sardis write the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Yeah, there's a few things I want to get to there. I noticed a chat over here from Ivan P.A. Adams, or Ivan P. Adams over here on Rumble. Doest thou wilt. Yeah, when it's talk, when, when the Bible's talking about this libertine spirit, and it's talking about Gnosticism in the same uh, <laughs> breath, it's because this idea has sprung up in, in a lot of, you know, the modern Luciferian religions, which have been born out of Gnosticism, I think anyway, which is do as thou wilt. That is, that is the Luciferian uh, call. That is their, that is their belief system. So, um, you know, just do whatever feels good. And we, and unfortunately we see this in a lot of nominally Christian kind of Instagram feel good pages where it's like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm doing this for me and worship of me and the, the self and me, 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 me. And that makes me like some, you know, awakened mm-hmm. spiritual being crap. So that, I think that's the spirit that, that was being talked about there. I just want to get to, I know we were talking about something else now, but I didn't want to leave that coming unspoken uh, of. Um, so earlier, I think I had kind of mistakenly said that that one church was about complacency. This one seems to be a little bit more actually about complacency than just worshiping God for the wrong reasons. I think you pointed that out. So this one seems to be uh, for I found your works or what does it say? (laughs) You you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Uh, Wake up and strengthen what remains. Yeah. So people have just become complacent Uh, people who are. I like to call these people like uh, spiritual zombies. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So Um, Cody, I'm not sure where you're getting the idea that Lucifer was the angel of music. Isn't I've never that, heard okay, that. so can I ask this question seriously? And somebody in chat must know this, and I might might be wrong. But like when I had I had heard this my whole life, and then I saw this, I thought in Milton's Paradise Lost, this is what I was bringing up earlier. I don't I didn't find it in the Bible. Maybe I missed it and I'm wrong, but I was pretty sure when I had looked into this in the past that this idea of Lucifer as the angel of music is is kind of a mis misremembering maybe or an attribution to the Bible. that's not in the Bible. So if somebody yeah. has something that that proves that I'm wrong on that, let us know. But I think that that comes from other sources. 
Now, to be fair, in all of the pantheons, all of the good things are attributed to one demon or another. So in the Greek pantheon, music is attributed to Apollo. But that, I don't think you could even begin to say that music is bad because um, somebody attributed it to their demon. Yeah, and I'll also bring this one up uh, from John Stevenson here. It might fit because of our music industry, which, but you can make that argument about every... Like, here's the problem. It's not that that Satan is the the god of music or whatever. It's that our country as a whole, Hollywood, the music industry, media, politics, anything you want to look at. Mm -hmm. I I think I made this point last episode or two episodes ago. I don't think we're a Christian nation at all anymore. And I, I mean this very seriously. Our nation's symbols are demonic symbols. Our nation's uh, ritual worship that we all like, not we all, but like as a country, the majority engage in is demonic Super Bowl halftime shows. Like I don't, I, I don't see, I don't see the argument anymore at all that we're a Christian nation currently. Um, just being completely honest, like you know, we might have been founded on pseudo Christian ideals in in this way or that way, but to to say that America is today a Christian nation, I just think is wrong. I, and I don't see the somebody would have yeah. to show me some evidence that we're not as a whole. And many churches are involved in this, and all media is involved in this. A actual Luciferian nation. Mm-hmm. I, that's, that's my belief. So we will look more between now and the next Revelation stream. I'll look more into the. Lucifer connection with music thing because Lit right. uh, said something about Ezekiel referencing Lucifer being a cherub of music. So, okay, so I um, might have just been wrong, and that's yeah. why I'm asking these questions. I mean, I think all of the arts can be expressions of worship. And so, anytime you are worshiping a demon, you're going to see the arts. That's just kind of the nature of it. Satan doesn't create, right? Like this is the thing. Right. He might take music and turn it this way or that way. But we also know yeah. that David who had a, uh, was known as a man after God's own heart was a musician. Right. And there's plenty of things in Psalms. I mean, Psalms are all songs. That's another right. way to look at it. So music in and of itself is not bad. Just right. like art in and of itself is not bad. It's the use of that, uh, right. that tool. Just like prophecy isn't bad. False prophecy is bad. Right. There you go. Yeah. So, I, I this line kind of jumped up out at me. Some of the language in this particular church kind of sounds a little bit like how we talk about the rapture when we talk about that concept, but it, it sounds a little different too. Um, if you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you still have a few names in Sardis, um, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. So we we have thought of this, like I'll come like a thief in the night and take all the good people to heaven. But this sounds like almost the opposite. I will come like a thief while you're sleeping against you. I'll come against you. Right. Because you're spiritually asleep. This is obviously not a reference to um, the, the rapture, by the way. Right. Uh, it also says here, come like a thief, not a reference to the second coming of Christ, because here his command depends on the church's refusal to repent. Uh, mm-hmm. Elsewhere in the New Testament, the clause refers to the second advent. So this is not that. Um, it's interesting how similar the turn of phrase is. Like, it, I, I, I have a hard time thinking it's an accident or a complete right. coincidence that there's that echo there. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right, and I also think that sometimes, you know, maybe it's not a a, a phrase we use, but it could have been a more common phrase of like, when you're not paying mm-hmm. attention, it's going to be like a thief in the night. So, um, but yeah, this is. 
I think you're right though. This is not a this is not a the the rapture, the second advent, things like that. It's saying that change your ways because if you're not spiritually awake, you know, destruction's gonna come to your church. It's definitely not a good thing. It's not like we're gonna I'm gonna save you from tribulation kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Are we ready to move on to Philadelphia? Yep. Let's talk okay. about Philadelphia. Do you know anything? I didn't about realize the there was an well, yeah, I didn't realize there was an early church in Pennsylvania all the way back <laughs> then. <laughs> that was the most surprising thing to me. I was like, oh my uh, gosh. It still it <laughs> means the city of brotherly love. Um it, it has always Philadelphia is um a Greek word, Phila and, and Del Delphia. Yeah, here's here's a question for you. So so Philadelphia would be modern day. It, it just, I don't know how to pronounce this, but it reminds me of Asherah. Is there a connection there or not? Alashir. Alashir. A city I think of, it's just the, the, the Turkish just, word for okay. Philadelphia. Okay. So it says it's a city of commercial importance, conveniently located at the gateway to the high central plateau of the Roman province of Asia. The name means brotherly love and commemorates the loyalty and devotion of Adalis the second, uh, the city's co-founder to his brother Eumenes the second. Yeah, that's what I got on it in here. Cody says good cheesesteaks. I hear so true. Uh, <laughs> Philadelphia, known for its cheesesteaks. Okay, look, you and got so- good cheesecakes. They're <laughs> cheesesteaks, but this is what I have against your church. Yes, I w- <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and to so the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write the words of the Holy One, the True One who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. And I want to highlight that because in the original description of the symbolism, he has the keys of death in Hades. So this is now being called the key of David, which is interesting. Is, and, it, is it referencing the same thing or is it referencing something else? I, I believe it's still referencing those few things that were listed in the original um in chapter one, describing what he had that he's holding. I have the keys of death and Hades. And so we're also saying the key of David. So it sounds like we're comparing those two things. Right. But I guess my question was, are they opposite things? Like, oh, I don't, I see. I don't have, I don't I have see. a note here. It just says open door, either the door of opportunity, the door to the kingdom. The context favors the latter. This is talking about the doors to huh. the kingdom. So this is like an opposite. Okay. Like the key of the city of David. Okay. Yeah. So like you have the keys to Hades and this is talking about the keys to, to heaven. Rusty Shackelford. Really, really. Thank you for this thank $20 you. super chat. Church of Philadelphia is kept from the hour of temptation. This is the tribulation where you have to receive the mark of the beast. Study the words caught in a strong concordance. It goes back to Hebrew is NASA or NASA. Yeah. I've seen a lot of that stuff and we'll be getting into that okay. stuff again. We're not getting into all of that tonight, but I appreciate that. And uh, those are things that I will be looking to. Yeah. Uh, okay. being caught up. That's what that word uh, rapture means. Who opens and no one will shut and who shuts and no one opens, which is kind of reminiscent of, you know, whatever you bind on earth will be bind, bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. Nasa. I prepared for tonight. <laughs> She's um, wearing her Nasa shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gotta love me wearing biblical words on my shirts. Um, okay. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and you have kept my word and not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan, 
who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you, because you have kept my word about patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What's your thoughts on this one so far? So I definitely see a couple different ways. You know, we're looking at all of these as happening concurrently. Um, and they're certainly happening concurrently at the time it's being written. Um, but this idea that, you know, there's an hour of tribulation coming that you're going to be held apart from. Right. So I also want to point out, and there's two different interpretations of what Rusty was saying earlier, not saying which one's correct. I just want to point this out. Um, when it says keep you from, so this is verse three, this is chapter three, verse 10. I'll just read it again. It says, uh, where is it? Because you have kept my word about patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try uh world to try those who dwell on the earth. So the two interpretations are obviously what most people believe, keep you from undergoing, keep you out of tribulation. And the second one would be to keep you through as in, I will make sure that you are provided for taken care of um, things like that. So uh, I just want to point that out. Talking about the period of test, the preceding consummation of the kingdom. So this is the great tribulation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that this is just like a question. Um, obviously if I get raptured, I'm going to be very happy to say, Oh, guess I was wrong about pre-trib like <laughs> well that's the that's the thing it's like I want it to be wrong my pro- can I yeah my problem I feel like with the church in my lifetime has been and I think this was before even the left behind series but I just remember being grown up and kind of taught this way and I've seen this same mentality in most people which is well who cares if the earth goes to hell when it gets really bad I won't be here and I feel like that's it's not loving your neighbor. First of all, like even if you believe in pre-trib, that's a really kind of a crappy way to look at things. I feel like is like, yeah, I don't care if the whole world goes to hell, you know, who cares if my neighbors suffer? I'm not. Uh, we talked about this, you know, before when it comes to the, the way that people are looking at things like, uh, well, I don't really care about abortion because the babies will just go to heaven or whatever. And it's like, I don't know. It's just a really bad way to look at things. I feel, um, but uh, let me see. I got a ch- some some over from from North Arrow. It says they were known for burning chariots when their champions won in the games. Wait, was this older? Did I miss this? Uh, here's something to digest. What if the messages are not a? Sorry, I got to scooch closer. Revelation of past or current churches, but are actually teaching us something, something about Jesus. Look at what is happening in these churches and how Jesus responds. What moves him to wrath? What moves him to mercy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Rob, we I need to have you on for one of these episodes, by the way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I definitely think that the product, and you, you said this, the product of us, this is, the, okay, let me back up a little bit. One of the, the ways that I will evaluate a conspiracy theory um, is what is the product of believing in this theory? If I right. believe this is true, what, what happens? What does this create in my life? And I think the product of believing pre-trib um, that there's a, yeah, is, is so much complacency is, well, the world's going to shit anyway, and I'm going to get, I, I'm not even going to have to feel it, so I don't have to fight against it. Um, right. I'm definitely going to just get, get pulled out of this before. And that doesn't mean that every single person who believes pre-trib has that attitude, but, but it it's does. definitely bred it in the American church. Like we've all seen it just pointed this out. Like there's this yeah. idea where as soon as things get too hard and it's like, Oh, I might have to, I might actually have to do some, something like get involved in politics. I might have to do something like get involved right. in local, uh, my local community. I might have to do some outreach, but you know, I, it, it, the world's going to be taken over by Satan anyway. I, why should I care and do anything? I'll be raptured. There's right. definitely a, lot of people who have taken up that mentality, unfortunately. And I like Rusty's um, Rusty's perspective here. What we should be thinking is uh, always being ready for Jesus, always being in a state of like, oh, if he came back right now, I wouldn't be ashamed. I would be ready. I mean, I think that's that's mm. the point, right? That's what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And instead, I think a lot of people don't understand that uh, there's there's two ways that um, thief in the night is used. Either you're not going to be spiritually prepared and you're going to be wrecked by it. So maybe that could also that could in some ways translate to well maybe you won't be raptured and you won't be prepared for it. Um, you'll be found sleeping and all of a sudden the world goes to crap and you can't buy and sell and you can't do all these things and you you just expected to be right. you know. Uh, and the other hand is like you want to be yeah it's like uh, the Joe Dirt mantra. This is where you want to be when Jesus comes back. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the super chat, Rusty. Uh, rapture or not, today is the day of salvation. Jesus said tomorrow is not promised. This is the truth. Today we need to be ready to meet Jesus. Yes. Yes. What do you think of this is the second time also that this concept of the synagogue of Satan, people who say they are Jews but are not, but lie. So like fake. Oh, the chariots thing was a joke about Philly. I'm sorry. I got that, oh. Rob. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. This idea of of. Now I feel Jews? dumb for not getting that that was a football reference. I was just like had forgotten we were talking about Philly. Go ahead. Sorry. Fake Jews. Fake Jews that are the synagogue of Satan. This sounds okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but this sounds exactly like Hollywood to me. Where we're told the Jews run in Hollywood, blah, blah, blah. They're these awful people, the Jews, ah. But it's like, what is the, the, the synagogue of Satan if not Hollywood? This is something that this is something that I feel like the the conversation around this topic is so charged on both sides in wrong in the wrong way where it's like on one side, it's all Jews are evil and terrible and the worst, uh, which is not true and wrong. And then the other side is um, you can't talk about George Soros because he's a Jew, you anti-Semite. And it's just like, but the Bible does have something to say about fake Jews, right? Like this, it's, you know, this idea of, I don't know. It's something I want to look into more is my point. Like, I think you're right about Hollywood, like this idea of being Jewish and therefore you, you don't have to be like, you're, you're safe from scrutiny because it's anti-Semitic to ever talk about you, George Soros, but you're, you know, a bad, you know, Hollywood, like you said, like they're, they're Jewish in what way, you know? Right. Um, that they don't stand for, for anything that's remotely actually connected to Judaism. They don't 
I mean, they're not even Zionists. They're they're, the, they're, um, the, they're atheists. They're, yeah, they're, yeah, they're they're straight up atheists. Or Luciferians, are actually, probably pushing is more this Satan worship. We've seen it yeah. like this month. We've seen it. So, yeah, with the Grammys performances, we have a lovely super chat from Lit over here. Matthew twenty five one to thirteen. I can look that up. See who gets to it first. Um, jeez, oh, yeah, one I of those. Going to Google it. Twenty five. I'm there. Uh, now I am. Nope. One more page. You can't lie to win the the Bible. <laughs> one more page. I'm in twenty five. It's a long chapter. I'm here. The parable of the ten virgins. At that time, the <laughs> how dare you? No, go for it. Read it. <laughs> At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil and jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep at midnight. The cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Gosh, this is so I'm so glad you put this here because I have so many things to say. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. They may not be enough for both of us, for both us and you. Instead, go out to those who sell oil and buy some yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready to meet him uh, to the wedding uh, went into the wedding banquet. The door was shut. Later, the other ones came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. This is like what it's referencing. And by the way, this paints a very different picture than the I don't have to care because I'm going to get raptured view, which is saying, oh, well, I don't have to be prepared because, you know, whatever. I don't have to bring extra oil. I don't have to buy extra food. I don't have to prepare for like a worst case scenario. I don't have to prepare for living in a world of the Antichrist and and tribulation and right. earthquakes and wars because I it, as soon as it gets bad enough where I can't just keep my normal you know nine to five job and and scoot along through life I'll be raptured. Uh, right. But you might find yourself without oil. I'm gonna be comfortable. Yeah, to be comfortable. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, also, don't vax me over here. I can read Super this. Um, Cago se Tereso ectes horas tu perasmu. Did you just cast a spell? (laughs) This is Greek, and I took Greek Greek in um, college, so I'm fairly familiar with it. I also, you will keep out of the hour of trial. So Greek is written weirdly, but it's basically like, I will also keep you um, out of the hour of trial. And I think the question, the big question is, what does that mean? What is the hour of trial that we're being kept out of? Is it this whole seven-year period that we learned about in in left behind or is it just an hour is it is it the moment the earth burns up like what are we being kept from yeah um we had did we have the church of laodicea is the last one yes right was there anything else we La- want to say about this one i'm probably no, pronouncing it wrong my pronunciation the, sucks it's definitely the most interesting one that you know what I'll say this. I want to know more about this one. And I think yeah. what we'll do is one of the things that we can all do. And, and me and Abby, especially is questions that are brought up in this stream is stuff that will go, Hey, now I know. And that's the point of this in a lot of ways. Now we know what we need to look into. Now we know the questions we have because we can't have the questions about revelation without the conversation, without the reading of it. Right. 
So this particularly, uh, the Church of Philadelphia, that is going to be something I'm going to be researching this week. So next time we do one of these, I think we'll start off by going, hey, what did we find between last week and this week? And we'll go through some of these yeah. uh, more. Yeah. All right. Laodicea. What do we know about Laodicea? Uh, one second. I lost my spot. Uh, so it was near modern Den- my gosh, Denizli, the wealthiest city in Phrygia during Roman times. It was widely known for its banking establishments, medical schools, and textile industries. So it was Asian. Oh, wait. <laughs> It's the most Asian of all these because they're all doctors. The most, the most no, rich, right? No, I was the most joking. affluent. Yeah. Its major weaknesses was lack of adequate water supply. Each of these characteristics is reflected in this letter. Okay. No God that I can see uh, connected to it. So, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. He says this like to every church. I know your works. I know your works. Like I'm watching. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You are neither hot nor cold. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered and I need nothing. Not realizing that you were wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And salve to anoint your eyes that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, that's also repeated in so many of these letters. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Yeah. So Rob says uh, that Laodicea was extremely wealthy and there was a major earthquake that uh, this, um, sorry, uh, they were the only city to rebuild without Roman assistance. That's how wealthy they were. Wow. So thank you for that, Rob. Is this Appreciate that. Um, in any, by any chance, the same place in Turkey where we just saw an earthquake? That's what I want to know. That's what I want to know. I have to look into that. Worth looking into. <coughs> They're also known for manufacturing of eye medicine. Hmm. So I, I find that this one, if, because one of the theories of these, of these letters is that it's a progression through time so that Philadelphia is at the progression in time where we're getting a rapture. But I think that this last letter cuts against that in that it, it's just a super affluent church. Um, no evidence that this is happening in a, in a big tribulation period. It's just, um, it's just a rich church that's not worth much of anything. And God's like, um, oh, so we found gonna, the Joel Osteen part of Revelation. Yeah, we 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 found the Joel Osteen part. What are you going to do? It, there's almost some goading here. Like, what are you going to do? Buy eternal life from me? Like, you've got nothing else but yeah. your money. <laughs> yeah, uh, man. There's so much, so much there. I'm just trying to think of where I want to go. With it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the whole, I don't know why this is coming to my mind because I'm not sure how to link it back to this, but it just reminds me of that flood they had a few years ago. Remember this? Yeah. Where it was, uh, hey, don't come to our church for shelter 
because we don't want you muddying it up, up the place. Like right. this to me is, is that is like the money is more important than the people. Um, I think this is exactly about Joel Osteen type churches. Yeah, I really do. Um, and let also ask another good question here. Is the one who conquers someone who overcomes the evil in their churches <clears throat> does not fall prey to evil in their churches, which works to lead their church out of sin. It's definitely something that, that keeps coming up and it seems to be bigger than just with relation to the church. It seems to imply that at whatever this moment is that the, these instructions are for, that there is something to be conquered. It's not just live a good life by yourself quietly. It's like to you who conquers. Right. And this, I th- feel like this goes back to something that you and me t- have talked about a lot over the last year is like, <clears throat> we have this very, I think revelation kind of cuts against this in more ways than one, this kind of live and let live mentality that so many people fall into instead of like, no, you don't need to win the culture war. You'll get raptured if it gets bad. And you know, you don't have to, you can, you can live alongside of the Jezebels and the, this and the, that, and let them into your churches and not, do or say anything. It's like, no, I, I just, I don't think that's what we're called to. There's a very conquering victorious message in all of this. As far as like what seems to be coming through in all these churches is like, eh, you shouldn't let the Nicolaitans in and just turn a blind eye to it. Right. You, you shouldn't allow the, the uh, worship of other gods in your churches. You actually do need to be strong and not have this libertine uh, attitude. It seems right. to be condemned more like over and over and over again. If, if I had to pick one thing out of these seven churches that, that comes up the most, it's being, I mean, they've said it in different ways, but this one says it right out like lukewarm, neither hot or cold. I'll spit you from my mouth, whether that's just going through the motions or serving God without loving God uh, in a real way. Um, and this idea of, you know, allowing through negligence and cowardice or whatever for these, you know, demonic spirits and entities and and beliefs to to infiltrate and infect your church. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So I think my takeaway from tonight overall is that my big question coming into Revelation is like, where are we at right now? Um, trying to get situated in the story, and in it seems like the this seven. Has have done a really good job of describing various ways that that the church is right now, like very on the nose with a right. lot of the things that we're facing right now. And so I do feel as if I'm getting very situated in this book as a description of our time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the words of the Bible are timeless. Like you're going to see these same spirits coming up in churches time and time again. There's been plenty of wealthy churches who that's the only thing they care about. There's been plenty of churches who have uh, adopted uh, pagan beliefs to, to try to, you know, that's a question that keeps coming up in this. that I have been, I think me and Cody have talked about this before and it's something that I'm curious about, you know, as we've talked about 2000 years of tradition and, and things kind of becoming, I think in a lot of ways that we've allowed Americanism uh, to become more, holy to us than, than Christianity where it's like, well, it's an American tradition. So it doesn't matter if it's pagan. It's, you know, we've been doing this for so long and I just, I I'm reading this going like, maybe we actually do need to take a deeper look of, of going backwards a little bit, not just conserving what we have, but actually like going, 
what have we allowed in that's not good, that's not healthy to our churches, to our to our rituals, our holidays, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a thought. I don't know where I'm going with it, but yeah. What, what do you think? Um, somebody on Twitter reached out and, and just said that they were appreciating this. You know who you are. You DM me on Twitter. <laughs> Thank you for being here. I'm not gonna yeah. not gonna dox you. So, um, but. I, uh, I appreciate so much of the conversation we've had tonight. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate so much all of the conversation that we've had. Jess says, this has been such a phenomenal and spiritually enriching episode. I'm leaving with more questions than answers, but I love that. Can't wait for more. I think that that's a good thing. I think if we don't know what questions to ask, then we can't grow. And I think that that's why we're, we said this yeah. from the beginning. We'll keep saying it. That's why this is a conversation and not a sermon. That because we want to have the questions we want to uh, en- enrich you and grow and learn ourselves. So thank you guys for being here and, and for being in chat and being active and talking with us. Yeah. Yeah. Like building idols to Lincoln and Washington. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of my point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit. <sighs> we got to do an episode on that of like the, the so much of the American founding uh, monuments are like straight up uh, demonic. <laughs> No one spends millions of dollars to put a big old statue up for aesthetic purposes. No. Every time that is going to be an it's idol. Worship. It's a it's idol. It's yeah. idol worship. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like we ha- I feel like this is something specifically on the right side of the aisle that we've we've fallen in traps with so many times where it's like, but we like these idols. We can't let the left tear it down and put up their bad idols because we have our good idols. And it's like you're fight like it, it's two sides ultimately fighting over like which demonic idols can we keep up? And nobody seems to be like fighting for, eh, maybe we should get rid of all of the idols. Maybe we shouldn't have the high places. You know, maybe, maybe we shouldn't pit ball against Moloch and we should just get rid of both. You know, Right. Uh, growing up, it was always today's idolatry is this today's idolatry is this. No, today's idolatry is idolatry. We right. just, we just <laughs> pretended it didn't exist and tried to explain it away as something else. It's totally okay that we build these idols because the real idolatry is look over here. Television and Hollywood. That's the real yeah. idolatry. It's Paris Hilton. It's not that we literally have giant multi-million dollar idols in our capital. Like that is such a good point. Yeah. It's like, well, idol- <laughs> nobody actually worships dead stone anymore, but yeah, don't do. dare take down that one dead stone or everybody's going to be upset about yeah. it. Yeah. Everyone makes yeah. a pilgrimage to DC to worship the gods. <laughs> Dude, that's believe. so true though. Right. But it's I mean, the good, I've done it. it's the good idol I've worship. It. I've made my pilgrimage to, to New York city and, and had my religious experience <clears throat> at the, the statue of Liberty. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I haven't been to New York or D.C., but I've seen that giant uh, golden bull in... Uh, no, wait. What's yeah. the one in Detroit? It's a golden bull, isn't it? Uh, no, I was no, no, no. One, Detroit's Wall Street. Wall Street. Or sorry, the bull's Wall Street. Detroit's a giant golden fist. I got that backwards. Okay. Yeah, that's the Wall Street I was thinking bull there was is, also a bull in Detroit, but it's not. A bull is always an altar to Baal oh, slash yeah. Zeus, the sky god. Like... When I say it's the same person, they even have the same favorite animals. You guys, Baal and Zeus both like their cows. You okay, just because Baal <laughs> likes cows and it gives you wealth doesn't mean that having a bull market and having a golden bull is worshiping of Baal. Come on. Yeah, come it on. does. That's crazy. Yeah, it That's does. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. So I also noticed some of you guys comments and chat about my car, <laughs> my car, my uh, every other thing electronic I've touched recently has died. So it's not a it's literally the the ignition switch is, is dead and it like sometimes mm-hmm. I can get it to turn on. But right now I can't. So I'm probably just going to have to take it to a dealership and have them change it out because it's like an electronic ignition with these all dumb new cars. So, mm-hmm. yeah, for um, people who are have- curious about that. I have only one last thing to say. Do you have any last thing to say before my last thing to say? Do you want to have the last last thing to say? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I have a question for you and for the audience. No. Does Monday nights work like this? Because we could keep doing this on Mondays if it works for you and for others or whatever. Well, we, or we could change nights. We'll just, Next I think we'll have to play it by ear a little bit. Yeah, we'll have to play by ear. Next week, I'm just out flat. I'm doing um, makeup for a community yeah. play. So probably two weeks from, well, I think we had talked about probably doing this every other week anyway. So this will probably be an every other week thing for a while. And we'll, we'll get some guests and stuff lined up, but please, if you can, you know, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, join the telegram t.me slash Hawkon media. We'll have all the updates there. Um, and yeah, so we don't know when the next one will be. I guess that's the last thing I want to say is like people probably wondering, wondering, I see Sarah's asked and said she really enjoyed it. Um, We'll let you know. We'll let you know what works. Um, hopefully, we can do it on Mondays. Maybe we'll do it every other Monday or something like that. But appreciate you guys so much. That's my last thing. I got to go fix my car. Thank you guys a ton. Thank you, Abby, for for doing this and proposing this idea. You're welcome. Um, Rusty had dropped a verse into the chat that I looked up, and I wanted to read it as our as our last thing. Um, it starts R- Romans ten, in verse eight. The word is near you. <laughs> In your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Yeah. Uh, Noble asks us, you still on Wednesday nights? Yes, this is an addition to our regular show. The regular show is still Wednesdays. Um, But people have asked for this and we want to do this. and We feel like this is important work. So. This is just uh, on top of the other stuff that we do. So thank you guys so much for being here. All right. We will see you guys next time and we'll see you Wednesday for some Taylor Swift conspiracies and stuff like that. I'm excited for that episode. Uh, So God bless everyone. Peace out. And uh, we're praying for you guys. I saw some of your prayer requests in chat and feel free to reach out to us if you have more. And thank you all. Have a great night. Good night. Good night.